Hey everybody, what's up? It is Friday, August 20th, 2021, and you're listening to a new episode of What's Up with Danny. Uh, missed the boat. We did not post today's episode on the normal day, which is Wednesday. Um, <clears throat> sometimes, you know, you just have a busy week. I've been having a lot of busy weeks lately, so bear with me. These episodes may not come out every Wednesday, but they're coming out today, and it's a good one this week. We got a good one. They're all good, though. I'm not saying that to say the rest aren't also good, but this one uh, this one was a really fun episode. Today's guest uh, is none other than the lead for the band Hollow Front. We are talking about Tyler Tate. Um, this was a really fun episode. I've known Tyler for a bit, but I haven't actually talked to him since probably the last time, I, maybe the only time I ever booked Hollow Front, uh, which was years ago. And this was great. Uh, if you're not familiar with the band, they are taking the world by storm. Uh, they are just on the up and up, going on some great tours coming up. A lot of good things falling into place for that band. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's always great to see people from, <clears throat> you know, from, start from somewhere and get to a place, you know, where, you know, that hard work and everything sort of just makes it all worth it. And, uh, you know, couldn't couldn't be happening for a better group of people, you know, and I'm really... I'm really happy for him. So this episode, let's talk about what we talked about. We talk about his start in music, obviously. We always talk about that. Uh, we talk about some of the bands that he was in that led him to being into Hollow Front. Uh, we talk about a little bit of a break he took uh, before you know Hollow Front got started. We talk about their the way they be, uh, became the group they are now. And, you know, just all kinds of stuff about what they have coming up and what their goals are as a band. And uh, I love Tyler's mindset. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, my cat's trying to chew a cord and I'm trying to get him away from it, which is perfect timing. And I'm so glad it's happening while I'm trying to record this. Um, but yeah, it was a great episode. Uh, a lot of fun talking to Tyler. Tyler, if you're listening to this, best of luck. Um, and make sure you all go see Holofront on the We Came As Romans tour in a city near you. Um, you can also see the link to their music and the information for this episode. Posted the Spotify link in there. So make sure you check it out and give them a listen. Watch some of their videos on YouTube as well. Search Holofront. Um, yeah, email danny.bruick.shows at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions. Uh, if you have an idea for a guest for the podcast or maybe a topic you want us to reach out to somebody that's involved in that topic um you know email danny.brook.shows gmail uh make sure you rate review subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts maybe share the podcast with a friend or two um any little bit helps you know give us a five star you know give us give us something nah you don't have to but if you did i'd really appreciate it and it would be amazing so uh yeah, man, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash what's up with Danny on Instagram at what's up with Danny podcast. Weekly updates for all the episodes and everything. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Loom Dem Cables. You're going to hear an ad in a little bit here. Uh, do Danny 10 gets you 10% off. Well, actually, I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's the code, but you'll hear it in the ad. I might be wrong on that. Oof. Maybe I shouldn't have tried to plug that in the intro. Um, and if you were at Yardapalooza last weekend, thank you. It was so much fun. It felt great to be on stage again. Uh, 
and I'm sure Tim will have some shows coming up that I'll be able to tell you about at the end of these intros. But for now, uh, enjoy this episode with Tyler Tate and have a great weekend. Hey, podcast listeners, I got a question for you out there. Are you tired of spending hundreds of dollars on high-end instrument or mic cables? Do you just keep buying the same cheap cables that short out or fall apart when you need them the most? Well, we've got a solution for you. Here at What's Up With Danny, we have a podcast sponsor now. They're called Loomdem Cables, and they're from Grand Rapids, Michigan. They make high-quality cables right here in Michigan, made by musicians for musicians. When you buy from them, you get a lifetime guarantee and you get free shipping. Use promo code Danny 10 at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. That's Loomdem Cables. L-O-O-M-D-E-M Cables.com. Check it out. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Appreciate the no, time. Yeah, man. It's cool. So we always start out pretty easy question. Uh, well, some people think it's easy. I think some people, they are like, oof, that's a, that's a tough one. But, <laughs> um, so we'll start that way and then we'll kind of see what happens. But what I'd like to know is sort of how you got your start with music. Like what gave you the itch? Like where did you, where did you come up from? This one's easy for me because I answer this question quite frequently, cool. to be honest. Uh, awesome. Um, I mean, it really all started like when I was like, eight nine ten like i was my dad was always kind of in bands when i was growing up he wasn't okay. like a he was like a guitarist but he wasn't like the front but i wanted to be the front man you know like mm-hmm. watching bands like slipknot and like lincoln park with like charismatic front man that mm-hmm. just like stood out with the presence that like you know it's like that's what i wanted to do you know i right. started going to shows mm-hmm. and then once i got into like high school that's when i was introduced to like metalcore, like um, Asley Dying, Killswitch, you yeah. know, the, the, those kinds of bands. And um, I was lucky enough to ha- be in an area with kids who played music. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I want to do this thing. And one night, you know, drunk and, you know, like at 14, 15, you know, just like, <laughs> that's what we did. We were partying, you know, all the time. And I was partying with these people and they were already in bands. And I just let out a scream, like just because I just like more like a Corey Taylor, like kind of like mm-hmm. a yell, like mm-hmm. scream, like but like Asley Dying mixed in because that's what yeah. I was listening to at the time. And I was like, all right, this and they're like, whoa, OK, like and I mean, I to be fair, I sucked like and I sucked for a long time, <laughs> right. like many years. Like I've been sure. doing this. That was 2004. Okay. So I've been doing that. It's been 17 years. Right on. Pretty much. Right. So. So definitely back then I sucked, but they it was good enough for them. So that's what, right. <laughs> that's why we like we just like started practice like every day after school. Like we go to my friend's house, his parents would be still at work, and we could have the house to ourselves yep. and just jam, you know. Oh, and yeah. it didn't matter if we sucked or not. Friends would come over, yeah. You know, we we basically we felt like rock stars, you know. Mm-hmm. But yep. nothing nothing close, you know. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much like where I got my start, and I've been in like twelve bands. Okay. Hollow Front's my twelfth band, right? On. And it's my only successful, really <laughs> successful band. Mm-hmm. So now, talk to me a little bit about that. I guess um, where your where your first band starts. I mean, let's start off with being a kid. You, know, you say eight, nine, ten. You kind of yeah. start getting a little bit more into music. I mean, are you a kid that has one of those little microphones and you're running around with it or like you're screaming into like a, into anything, into really. anything like I, a, It was like mostly like singing back then, you know, sure, like sure. singing and like mm-hmm. trying to mimic Corey Taylor. But I was just, I was, I didn't, you know, I was still young. I still had like a kid voice, and, mm-hmm. right, but right. I would 
but at that age, I was, you know, nine, I was like nine or 10 when Slipknot's first album came out. So then that's when I like was like, whoa, like, uh, like, I want to be like that. Like yeah. that guy's like ferocious. And I just like, <laughs> I had, I've always had like angst as a kid. I don't know why I just grew up with angsty and like, yep. and you know, mm. so, so I just, I, I connected with that like energetic anger you know, that he had, yeah. you know, but it was like a release. Yeah. So I would be like, I, I I would perform like whole Slipknot albums, like just like with a hairbrush even like, you know, sure. I, I didn't have like a microphone. Maybe I probably stole like my sister's karaoke machine, yeah. like, oh, like yeah, yeah. you know, microphone. Yeah. <laughs> but like at that point I had no like musical equipment. I had nothing. I didn't, did, none of that happened until I like joined my first band. Right on. So a lot of it was just at home by myself yeah. pretending, you know, mm. pretending to have bands and, I think my first band was named after us, uh, Lincoln Park song, but it was like not even. It was, you can't consider it my actual first band. Right. I was like my mm. me and my friends were like we're gonna be in a band. Yeah, and like none of them had instruments. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't have any. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was just like, but we like you know we yeah. you know just playing as a kid. You know, that, yeah. that's basically mm. been my whole life wanting to do it, and so nice. I kind of pursued it. Yeah, man, that's, know, that's 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 where everybody starts. They start with like the dream, and you just build off of that. Yeah, mm. it's it, you know uh, it's not easy. No, it's, oh, yeah. uh, it's a never-ending <laughs> disappointment uh, most of the time. But um, <laughs> it's you know it's worth it when you get to a point where it's like I'm actually going to do some things that are like you know mm. things I've been dreaming of yep. for like close to 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. You know, hell yeah. Now, now I want to hear. We'll, we'll definitely get to Hollow Front eventually. Right, yeah, I, I definitely would love to talk to you about that. But I I'm very interested in the grind to that point. To where you get to hollow front and so what i what i will start off when you're growing up and you're starting to go to shows what's the atmosphere like at some of these shows where are some of the places that you're going to see them who are some of the bands that so you're like we're watching? talking like for the fallen dreams like back okay. when they're like playing local shows sure. and um mm -hmm. like still remains is you mm -hmm. know like they're 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 the big band of grand rapids mm -hmm. right now and all that time so it's it's really like that far back you know yeah. so it's, yeah the atmosphere is like grungy but emo like we mm. were we were playing some like gross ass places <laughs> with like 13 14 bands from across the state that you know mm. that probably don't remember who we were which is okay because <laughs> right. you know we were just that band that was playing first or second right. that sucked mm. and you know but we were just grinding you know yeah. and but the thing was is that i changed we changed quickly like and bands started like falling apart and then we'd get new band and we get new members and we would get, mm -hmm. you know, and we'd switch our name. So like the first four or five projects, cause they all had like different sounds and different songs were like with the same people, Okay. you know? So pretty much all you could pack into one if you wanted yeah. to, but I consider them separate because they all had their own separate songs and separate mm -hmm. like vibes. And even though it was same people. Yeah. I feel um, like I went through that same, same thing too. I had multiple bands, but it was like, yeah. Yeah. And then we the like, same we went grindcore. Like, so, like, <laughs> the, when that era, like, see you next Tuesday, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, those kind of, like, grindcore band daughters, and, like, yep. we just, mm -hmm. uh, the number 12 looks like you. We're just, yep. like, we want to be, oh, like, yeah. spazzy, and we want to be crazy, <laughs> and, like, that's the fad, you know, everyone's yep. doing that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, and then pig squeals, and, like, just, like, I went through all those fads, you mm -hmm. know, the, and then getting into, like, my later bands, it was, like, I would play for like a couple months and then quit, you know, because okay. I just wasn't feeling a lot of those bands, mm -hmm. you know, like I was like, you get into a project because those were like people I went to school with. So it was a lot easier to like stay a band until a certain point. Yeah. Like we had a falling out at, at some point. I joined another band in high school, but we didn't really do anything. You know, we just 
played. And we, yeah. were, you know, I I've played with a lot of talented people, but just a lot of people that never wanted to take it as far as I wanted. To yeah, it. they didn't sure. want to take it serious and make it a full time, which is fine because at 16, 17, 18, I don't know what you want to do, but I wanted to be, yeah. I wanted to be like the bands that were blowing up like Attack Attack. I wanted to be like all those bands that were young as hell and still like touring and like, yeah. you know, Dead Worst Prada, Bring Me Through Eyes, and all those bands were really young when they started touring. Yeah. You know, they've been doing it for. They're my age. Yeah. I don't know how old you are. How old are you, uh, Andrew? We're about the same age. I'm, okay. I'm 31. Okay, 31. So, they, I mean, we're not very far off from those dudes. No. They were just doing it while we were in high school. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, they were uh, they were killing it when we were dreaming about it. That's what it. I wanted to do. But, I, honestly, I feel like, you know, and I'm not trying to skip too far ahead, but I do feel better that I'm doing it a little later in life. Yeah. And I'm a little sure. bit more chill. Mm-hmm. I probably would have fucked things up so bad if I was doing it at, like, <laughs> Prime time party age right. that I was, oh, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I joined. Uh, um, like, I, like we played with Lakeland. It was a band called The Eyes of Anthe, and that was kind of like where I was like getting into like volumes and like uh, Born Osiris, Veil of My, like a lot mm. of those like Genty, yeah, you know, Sumerian bands. And so we were kind of doing that thing, and you know, I just. It just wasn't going, so mm-hmm. it was like it, it gets stressful because when things aren't happening, you know, it's like I feel, I always feel like I'm on a clock, like yeah, like shit needs to happen. If it's just right. not happening, it's you know, yeah, it's almost it's like in the water. It, if if this isn't going the way that you want to, like why invest more time when it's not going your like the trajectory that you're wanting it yeah. to and that's why i've been in so many projects because like as soon as i see like it falling apart and i'm like Whoa, i gotta mm-hmm. get out of there yeah you know yeah, makes and sense. i think uh i don't know if you guys heard of bury the silence yeah but um i was in bury the silence for like seven eight months nine months after their <laughs> one guitar or one vocalist uh quit so then uh that was like my bigger band that I thought was going to be bigger, you know, right. like I was like, oh yeah, they, they, they got a good start off. And I was like, I think I, we can take it somewhere. And then things just floundered quickly, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just like most things do. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to do music. And then I did one more project after, after them. And it was like, it was just a very unenjoyable experience for me. Just like working with somebody that I, I mean, he's not a bad dude. I'm not going to talk shit about him. He's right. cool. He's a great guitar player. It just we didn't vibe well. Like, yeah. it just mm-hmm. I have my own like thoughts and feelings about you know. Whenever I join a band, I usually just kind of take over. To be honest, <laughs> like because I just I'm that like I'm just driven. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's and that's where pretty much we get to where I quit. Mm-hmm. You know, for like almost two years, I think I stopped. Mm-hmm. Stopped mm-hmm. doing music, but I was. You know, always thinking about it, but oh, I was kind of like, I have, I have, I have two kids, and at that time they were pretty young, like four and one. You know, mm-hmm. so they were pretty young, and I was married, so I was like, eh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stop because at that point, eleven bands to me was <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta put it, pack it in. You know, yeah. I felt like at that point in my life, I was like. Nobody's ever going to be on my the level that I want to go to, and yeah. I, I guess it's just like time to give it up, you know, yeah, be sure. be a be a dad and work more overtime, and you know, have money and stuff, yeah, stuff mm. like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't last super long because I got separated or slash divorced, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. very long after that. Okay, and then 
you know, severe depression set in, and then that's how Holofront was basically born. So, yeah. <laughs> right. nice. So, tell me about. I mean, let's talk a little bit about before you took the break from music. I mean, mm -hmm. was it ever tough to, I mean, obviously it wasn't a difficult decision for you. You knew what you wanted. You were very driven, but you know, are, are you ever thinking like, am I going to like, what if I quit this band and this band goes on to be like the next, you know, as I lay die or something, you know what I mean? Was there ever that thought or like that, that feeling like, not like really. you never had any, not, I, I, no, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Just because, <laughs> I mean, just because I knew the people that were, you know, those projects fell apart instantly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, and it wasn't because of me and it wasn't because I left. It was just because they were imploding and I saw the signs and sure. like, like, I can't, you know, I can't yeah. waste my time on it if it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. I would if I I would say because to be legit and honest and I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast. Well, maybe I probably have. I'm pretty honest, but um, <laughs> I almost quit Holofront mm -hmm. before we released the Still Life EP, which was the EP we released right before our Loose Threads full length. And I was like, I was ready to quit. I was I was about because it was just like this band's the hardest band I've ever been in, but it's mm -hmm. like the most gratif gratifying too. Yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I thought about quitting and um, I'm glad I didn't because then I would, I think this band would be that band that would have, you know, right, looked right. back on it and been like, shit, they're, you know, they found a vocalist that, you know, and then they just, mm. that's how I feel about this band, but sure. nothing really before that. But I mean, that's probably really like satisfying, like putting in all that hard work and now that it's paying off. Yeah, I think it's taught me things and I've, you know, and I'm still like, I'm still a rookie compared to like, you know, pretty much everybody on the touring circuit, you know? So it's not like I might be their age, but I'm green as fuck, right. you know? So I have, so I have just about as much experience as the, the younger dudes that are in my band. Right. I just have more experience playing local shows and doing the whole band thing and doing vocals for 17 years, you know? Yeah. That's that, that's the extent of where, where that goes. Now, tell me a little bit about let's let's get down on the hollow front. Let's get we'll we'll start down. going on that. Yeah, I, I don't love the way I said that. <laughs> um, now with hollow front, how do you? What's the assembly of hollow front like? Where did where do you find the members? Is it you know you just start jamming with some guys? I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm aware right. of who's in hollow front, but for the sake of the listener, so the most podcast, of those, yeah. so pretty much everybody that you know of aren't mm. original members. Okay, every I'm the only original member left mm. that started the band in mm -hmm. 2016. Okay, I met so basically, I was getting divorced. I was depressed. I had like so much to say, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't know, you know, and, but I wasn't like, for, I wasn't looking for a band because I was like sick of that shit. Right. And I just posted on Facebook or something being like, I need a hobby because every other week I didn't have my kids. So yeah. I had my kids one week and then I ha didn't have them for a whole week. Yeah. And if and at that time I was just like getting fucked up drinking and stuff yeah. like that, you know, cause I was just depressed and I was, I just, I had a bad time at that time. So I wanted to do something more constructive that was a little bit more, you know, and something, a hobby. And then someone's like, join a band. And it was the guitar player that the original guitar player from Hall Friends, his name is Jordan Stewart. And he, he's like, jo he's like, join a band. And I, I commented back, find me one worth joining. Basically <laughs> like, cause like at that time I had no faith in any right. bands and I was, you know, I was, I was a little bitter, you know, probably cause I was oh, just for sure. 
because I tried for tried so hard for so long and it really didn't ever get anywhere to be honest because I right. never even left the state with any of my old bands so yeah. it's like I never made it anywhere yeah just stayed stuck playing local shows so yeah when that when they said that I was like you know what like he hit me up in a message and I was like we talked and I was like you know what like whatever I'll just go meet him and we'll yeah. chill and we'll talk and I'll see like where his head's at like with music because I've always wanted to do like like heavy but like melodic like a little bit of hardcore mixed in with like yeah. a little bit of everything mixed in I didn't really want to be like a one you know one-sided band I wanted to be well-rounded yeah and that's kind of like where his head was at and we obviously the music has changed so much because the members have changed but like back then it was just like we were heavy mm-hmm. and we just wanted to make a you know I was just pissed because I was you know I was pissed at my ex-wife who I you know if she ever listens to this we're totally cool now like right you know um that's so many years ago now five five almost six years and so <laughs> but yeah I was just pissed and I wanted to just tell yeah everyone you, you wanted to release mm-hmm. all that anger in some so sort of way. then we met Lee because so Lee I would consider a member of always even though he recently just joined like mm-hmm. fully Lee's always been a member just like yeah a producer. Helped us write, you know, yeah. helped us structure songs and make good stuff. So it was like, so he basically has been in the band the whole time. So we met Lee and, you know, he recorded our first EP and um, it was me, um, Cody Davis, who played drums. And it was Evan. Uh, sorry, Evan, I'm blanking on your last name. And <laughs> then Chris Lake was playing bass and then Jordan Stewart. Um, so, but the, all those members like, changed so quickly like mm. it was like it wasn't very long after we dropped homewrecker that we got rid of or that evan quit and then we kicked out chris it was just we just wanted more we wanted more driven members like that was my that was my whole thing was we wanted every single person in the band to be driven yeah like everybody had to be like on their shit because yeah. we were trying because to be honest when hollow Frost started and we even before like before we released our first song and we saw like people actually were really digging it like we were just like a wanted to just be like not a joke band, but like a band that wasn't serious. I, yeah. I was like, I have kids, I'm not gonna be able to tour, like I'm yeah. not gonna be able to do all that. And then, you know, the success of the songs on Spotify and like like um YouTube and stuff like that kind of forced us, you know, to become yeah. more serious with it. So that forced us to find more serious members. Mm-hmm. And we knew some ser- more serious members from a band called Drifter, um, Josh McCormick and Tyler, oh God, Tyler, I'm sorry, I'm stoned and I can't remember your name, last name right now. <laughs> um, I'm dumb, sorry, Tyler, but I'll, I, it'll come to me. Yeah, I've just there's so many band members. Well, there's a lot of Tylers out there too. Yeah, that's, I mean, no offense to him, but you can get a cooler name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My name's Tyler. I know it's. I, I know the pain, dude. Wow, I, I feel the like pain. a piece of shit right now. I, <laughs> I totally did said that without even registering that your name is also. That's Tyler. okay because I totally agree, man. But anyways, we they were they were like way more like seasoned band members, I think. So we kind of went with yeah. them, and we were just like, we want them to be in the band, and then we got the other dudes out of the band, and then they joined, and we started writing some new stuff for like still life and stuff, and then Josh kind of started to fall apart, like he just was like not super interested or like he was just like mm-hmm. having a bad time in life so it was just kind of like he left during the middle of us doing still life and then tyler left not too long after that so we had to find a new bass player but we got dakota dakota came in like 
after the other guitar player left. Yep. So he joined after Still Life was already re- recorded, so that's why he doesn't sing on it. Mm-hmm. It was just um, just me and Lee, basically, from that, oh, and Cody at the time, from the band that was left. And, <laughs> you know, we were struggling, because I was like, we couldn't keep members, and I was just like, man, this is awful. Like, this is, there were some really, like, s- sad moments, like, in those times. It was like, uh-huh. man, like, we are just, like, or that band that like can't keep members and we keep changing and it's like <laughs> was that the time that you kind of felt like you were like gonna give up on it yeah it was around the time when tyler quit because i i i and i honestly at the time was like like being a shitty band member kind of because i was in a bad like probably the worst depression i've everything i've been in my whole life so i was mm-hmm. just like not giving a shit I, I canceled a couple shows that i thought were gonna suck to go to Colorado and he quit. He was mad at me, which mm. I get. I understand. Right. Totally, totally cool. And he moved on because he had a, he has a serious job. So, you know, he's doing that and he's doing great. And um still can't remember his last name. God, <laughs> I'm fucking awful, dude. I'm not good with names. That's fine. But at least you remembered his first name. He'll know. No, He'll... I love him though. That's my pro <laughs> that's a problem. But so then we got Brandon. And getting Brandon was kind of like what re-sparked me. So like, because I was really at the time after Tyler quit, I was like, I'm so depressed. Like, I just want to be done. Like, because right. I, I, there was a lot that was still like expected of us, even though we weren't a big band. It was just like we were doing videos and we were doing shoots and we were doing just anything that we could to be like in the relevant in the yeah, public yeah. eye. So we were doing a lot of stuff for still life. And I was just like, I just wasn't in it at the time. You know, I was just felt not good. So I, <laughs> I withdrew. And Brandon came in like super like spunky, you yeah. know, like, like he just came in and he's like, let's fucking do this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I like Brandon. He's cool. <laughs> and I got to give credit to Cody, our old drummer who, cause he knew Brandon and got him into the band. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was cool. It was cool because it kind of gave me a little bit more of a pep. You know, he was enthusiastic, which made me enthusiastic. And Dakota was barely a new member at the time when, like, uh, the other guitar player and the bass player quit. So it was just... And I feel bad for Dakota because he came into the band, like, as a rhythm guitar player. And the the lead guitar player quit, like, a month later. Oh, damn. Like, just, like, out of the... Like, and not out of the blue because we were having issues back and forth with him. So it was, like, Mm -hmm. I saw it coming. It was either he was going to leave or we were going to find someone else or we, you know, it was just going to be that. Cause like at the time we just weren't putting up with shit from any, anyone. We just right. wanted, we wanted shit to get done. And, and it's just, that's, it, it's a brutal, brutal business sometimes like yeah, kicking out your friends from your bands. Yeah. So, you know, when he left Dakota was, I, I thank Dakota because Dakota could have quit right there because why would he stay in a band that just like lost all its members? And it was just <laughs> me. It was just me, him and a, and the drummer Cody. Mm-hmm. He could have been like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm out. And then the, <laughs> the band really would have caved in, you know? Yeah. So it's cool that Dakota stuck around, even though I was like out of it mm-hmm. and he was just kind of chilling in the background. He's like, I'm cool. We're, you know, we'll figure it out. And, <laughs> yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and then Brandon comes in and it was like, okay. And then we released still life, the video, and then that got like 40,000 views in like five days or something. So that was like really like Whoa. exciting, you know? Yeah. Like So that, that really, that, that honestly broke me out of my depression and like pushed me into like making Halifron as serious as possible. Cause we started to like tour outside of the state, like pretty yeah. quickly after that. That was sort of the first realization that there might be something 
Yeah, I mean, Homewrecker, our first EP did pretty well, like, Mm -hmm. for, like, a first release from a band that's never released anything. It got picked up on some Spotify playlists, like, randomly, like, Mm -hmm. we had a lot of good luck in those Mm -hmm. first, Yeah, you know, when our video was uploaded to Dreambound, which is, like, a really good, like, um, music video channel on YouTube. Okay. And they promote, like, a lot of bands, and they heard our, we released a video for Homewrecker, and they saw it, and they're like, we like that, would you want to put in our our, our... our channel would like at the time had sixty thousand subscribers, but we had twenty, probably mm, 20, 20 right. subscribers. So we're like, mm. okay, right. so we did right. it, and so we got a lot of traction from that too. And we started playing a lot of local shows. Um, I remember back then. I think I got you guys on one gig, and I believe it was at Unruly. I probably. think you guys I came through. I remember of all we cherish played. We played and, at Unruly uh, with uh, some of the old members for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think that may have been the only time I booked you, but that was my first real like insight too. I don't know if I've actually seen you guys with this lineup. Right? Actually, yeah, it's a lot different. Yeah, because yeah. adding like singing and like mm-hmm. you know like the new drummer, mm-hmm. and so I mean we'll get to the new drummer part, <laughs> but uh, which is I think that one's the hardest was the hardest person to to actually like have to kick out was Cody, yeah. our old drummer. Like it was it was a pretty it like made me like emotional, you know? yeah. But it, it just had to be done. Like yeah. we just knew that we we were getting some traction. We Ryan Kirby from Fit for King had already reached out to us and was like, "I want to be your manager." And we were like, "Whoa, you know," because like that's that's some surreal shit. Because like, I mean, it's not he like he's in like the biggest band in the world, but still, but it's, still it's a very like you know a band that we looked up to and that we were not emulating their style, but taking inspiration from yeah. that in our music mm-hmm. at the time. So it was like cool for him to reach out. At, at, to be honest, at first I was like, "This is bullshit." Yeah, this is somebody's <laughs> fucking with us. Sending us some kind of email from Ryan because it was just it was you know I can't say it's Gmail on here, but you know, but it was just very like okay, yeah, okay, somebody mm-hmm. made this up. Yeah, and, but it was seriously him. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. met. Uh, Brandon had our or not? Yep, Brandon was already in the band then at the time. So Brandon and Cody went and met him at, at a concert at the intersection. Mm-hmm. And so I, and then they're like, yeah, he's real. And I'm like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> so then we like FaceTime me and him and we chatted and, you know, and like he wasn't the one that was like kick out Cody. It was like we were just having issues because we were writing things for the new album and he couldn't play them, you know, and he right. wasn't, he wasn't really taking the time to do it. He wasn't practicing. And I'm sorry, you, you weren't mm-hmm. if you're listening to this. <laughs> so, so we just, we, Devin kind of came out of nowhere and Lee was a big pusher, you know, Lee was like, hey, Devin's amazing, and he likes Holofront. <laughs> um, yeah, you should get him. And I'm like, can't kick out Cody. Like, come on, man. I was like, I'm just like, I didn't like. But then shit started to happen, and it was like, all right, we gotta kick out Cody. We gotta get Devin. So it was like, yeah. and it was a big change because Devin's a new person we never met before. We just like went had dove head first yeah. into like putting him in the band. Mm-hmm. You know, it was no like probation period or any kind of like. Mm-hmm. We're just like Devin's amazing. Join the band. And mm-hmm. then he did. So nice. Well, I mean, it seems like it's working out pretty well for you so far. Yeah, I mean, when he joined the band, that's when things started to really take off. You know, mm-hmm. when the new, when the newer material like started to come out with him on it, even before the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so let's talk about that. I mean, you assemble this lineup. You have you have your guys. Mm-hmm. You start writing together. You start getting comfortable with each other. What's the new transition like, and how how does that? How does it start? How does it go about? And where do you guys start to get comfortable with each other in the in the songwriting, or just in a band? You know, 
I think it. I think honestly, the songwriting part was more was easier than honestly the the on the road part. Mm. Like, because it's like when you're in the studio, you're a little bit more relaxed. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's stressful. I can't say that it's not. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, fucker. <laughs> but but for the most part, it's a chill environment. Everyone's chill. You know, we all smoke weed, so we're all chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's chill, right? And mm. so lots. I mean, work's being done. I didn't know why I hit that, but uh, uh, work was being done, but we're not like so tired from the road and playing shows. And so I think it was easier to like get to be comfortable in the studio setting Mm -hmm. because Devin came in about halfway through the recording of Loose Threats. So he went back and redid all the drums for the first couple songs. Oh, so you did go back and redo some drums and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, because really, like, it was all MIDI drums, so we just oh, okay. ended up doing live drums. Okay. Which is our first live drum ever on an album. Everything else was MIDI before that. Yeah. It was just cheaper. Yeah. It just made sense. It was already done for the demos and everything, so yeah. it was like, whatever. Just polish it up and call it a day. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, moving on with Devin, we knew we had to have live drums. Yeah. Because he's... He's very dynamic. Yeah, he's an animal. Yeah. You know, sometimes absolutely. he's too much of an animal. You go like, <laughs> so you're like, all right, simmer down now. <laughs> because you're getting crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's amazing. And that's, you know, and I, I actually saw him first on like YouTube, mm-hmm. like doing some covers, mm-hmm. um, like Architects, which is like a big band that I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Like he's, he's good. Cause it's all like one take stuff. It's not like, yeah. It's not like he's doing it all, you know, edited and stuff. I can tell that he can play it, even if the the drums themselves are, you know, samples and stuff. Yeah. Like they got to sound good, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but he's he's killing it. And I'm just like, yeah, that guy's really good. And he reached out to me and was like, hey, you guys need like a session drummer or like a fill-in? But at the time, Cody was still in the band. So I was like, no. And then, you know, a couple weeks go by and I'm like, all right, we got to hit Devin back up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I mean, him coming into the group at the time when halfway through the record that we were writing, it was it was cool because it was it felt natural for sure. Like you know, and there's some things about you know he's ten years younger than me, so mm-hmm. there's some things about him that annoy me, and I'm sure that I'm, there's some things about me that annoy him because I'm old and grumpy and he's young <laughs> and full of energy, and he's just always ah, you know, which is great because he can go behind the drums and do. All that shit, you know. Yeah. So, but so that was a taking some uh, adjustment to get used to. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, everybody else is, you know, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bra- I mean, Brandon's I- the most chill, but he can he can he can have a little bit of an like a temper sometimes. <laughs> but for the most part, he's like the chill, soft spoken. Dakota's like super peppy and super, you know. He's he, him and Devin are a little bit of like they, they both got a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I love everybody. I know Brandon the most. Yeah, bass player, bass player, bass player. Yeah, Brandon. <laughs> no, Brandon's Brandon was uh, like I said, a good a good band member to add. Oh yeah, for came, sure. He came from out of nowhere. Yeah, and I didn't know him, and I was like, I don't know who this fucking guy is. <laughs> fucking Brandon. Okay. Yeah, who is this? Guy? All right. At least his name wasn't Tyler. I didn't want to have another Tyler. <laughs> no offense, Tyler. I didn't want to have another Tyler. So yeah. I was like, we gotta have someone that's not Tyler. And I'm the only Tyler in this band. Yeah. I hate it, Me. but it is it is what it is. No, but so when Brandon came out, I was like, yeah. You know, and that's that's how I felt about all of them. Like, that's the, they've become brothers. Oh, you know, absolutely. They're not even just, it's not just, and it's hard because it is a business still. Yeah. 
but we are brothers so we but we each have our own thing that we really take care of yep. within the band so that it feels like we're you know always you know working yep how important is that to you to kind of share the load in terms of what the what you do not only in the music writing but in terms of like keeping the band relevant and things like that you know social Very media things like that <laughs> because i used to do a lot of it and i sucked <laughs> mm -hmm. i used to do the shipping which i was terrible at <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to do all the social media, which I was, eh. you mm -hmm. know, Devin's way better at social media. He's got like 25, 26,000 followers on Instagram. So he knows right. what he's doing. So right. I, like, I just kind of be like, here, my son, take, <laughs> take the social media and yep. do your thing. And I'm going to not, I'm going to do like, talk to the managers and like get everything situated for tours. And, you know, yeah. I do all like the, the, the the dad stuff and yep. you know he does all the kids stuff you know he takes the, the TikToks and yep. whatever else kids are doing these days <laughs> but uh, and then Dakota's like more finance finances he handles all the finances um, which I suck at math so <laughs> another thing that I'm terrible at that I'm glad I don't have to do anymore because it was a nightmare and it like really stressed me out back when I used to do it yeah I bet back in the day and so and. So he does all that with all the taxes and all the whatever we need. He gets, you know, that kind of like the business side. Yeah. And then Brandon, now Brandon's, now Brandon's retired basically because <laughs> we were doing merch. We were doing our own merch. Yeah, he Brandon, was doing the shipping yeah, and everything. Yeah, he was doing all the shipping, but now we work with merch now. Mm -hmm. So they do all the shipping. Yeah. So Brandon's on, Brandon's really retired. So he's just, <laughs> he's sitting back, you know, waiting for the tour to come. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Tell me a little bit about the shows, you know, getting this lineup together and you start playing some gigs around. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, obviously starts out locally and then you branch out and do some other stuff. But tell me, tell me where you guys found your footing on stage. So honestly, when Devin came in, we were already touring out of state. Okay. So we were, we already had like shit lined up with mm -hmm. him going like state to state. Sure. So we did a lot of local stuff before he joined for like the two, three years that we were a band mm -hmm. before he joined. And we were just, we had our, with Still Life, the success of Still Life, it really kind of like got people to notice us a little more. And we, we got like a booking agency with Artery, or um, they got a new name now that I can't remember. <laughs> but um, Dynamic is what it's called, Dynamic uh, uh, Entertainment or something like that. Right. And they, they, so they were booking like small little runs for us, like you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, like, you know, we we're playing Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, Milwaukee, Madison, like playing just like more regional, based. regional, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we did like an East Coaster all the way down to like Florida and back mm. before Devin joined. So that's okay. like our first real tour was like with our old drummer, and we went down the East Coast and then back up. Mm. So it was like 11, 12 shows. So it was like a you know, almost two weeks. Yeah, run. yeah. So, so it was a good run like for our first one, and then we were doing like smaller runs when Devin joined, like three, four days. Um, and they were, you know, shit. You know, I felt like I was like, man, Devin thought he was joining like a really big band because like on Spotify at the time and like with our like YouTube like view numbers, like we were in the millions. Like we were, you yeah. know, it looked like we were playing like huge, huge tours with huge bands, but yeah, we yeah. weren't. We were playing like shows to 25 kids and like just like, <laughs> but they, 25 of those kids were into it, you know, we're yeah. buying shit. Like we oh, always yeah. did really well. Even if it was, wasn't very many people, like people still came and saw us because they'd heard of us over the internet, you know? Yeah. So, but then Devin, like later we got into it, it was like, it just, you could tell like the tours were getting better. Like they were still small, but it was getting up to like mm -hmm. 50, 70, 100 range, like, you know, touring yeah. down to Texas and packing a, a, 
the basement of a pizza shop with like a hundred kids, and it was just like cramped and hot and sweaty. Donatos. <laughs> was was it? it Donatos? No, oh, that's a basement, a pizza basement in Columbus that does. No, shows. it's yeah. uh, it's in it was in uh, Texas. So it was near oh, it was okay. near Dallas, but sure. not in Dallas. Right on. So yeah, so it was just like the going to those shows, and like it's like we could tell things were starting to ramp up, you know, and. We don't. We released a few singles from Loose Threads with Devin on the drums now, and like a yep. couple of videos, and so people were starting to really dig that, and like so we took it on the road, and we were going really hard, and then obviously the pandemic crushed everything. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's where basically everything kind of hit a wall for us for at least a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about, I'd like to bring up the pandemic because obviously that's the world we've been in for you know the last year and a half. But do you think? Talk a little bit about the that grind of the tour. You know, you say you start out going on on playing these shows, twenty twenty five kids, and yep. then it grows into fifty, seventy five, a hundred plus. Mm-hmm. How important do you think that was? Not only in the development of Hollow Front, but in a in a general sense, how important is it to grind out those gigs where you're playing in front of you know maybe one gig has ten, maybe the next one has sixty five, maybe the next one has thirty. You know, mm-hmm. where you're you're going into it with low expectations only to see it grow in front of you. You know, how Mm -hmm. important do you think that was for the development of the band? I think I would say very important just because some bands, like we could have like gotten lucky and like blown up quicker and done like Mm -hmm. bigger tours. And like, we wouldn't have had to grind as hard and like play like the really shitty bars with like 20, 25 kids, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's super important because you, you learn, like I said, like you, you, you do learn to not have expectations. Like mm-hmm. you, you're like, it's probably, you know, if, if 25 kids show up, that was good. Like to us, mm-hmm. we're fine with that. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like to, you know, most of those kids would buy shit from us, you yeah. know? So it was cool mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that was as long as it wasn't nobody. Cause we sure. played a couple of those shows too, where it was mm-hmm. nobody yeah. like mm-hmm. one paying one paid ticket. And it was like, Oh God, I guess it's practice, <laughs> you know, like, so, Glorified you know, when you still have to do it, Yeah, you know, and man, I think the worst show ever was in West Virginia and this is on the tour before Devin joined, but it was like this podunk backwoods, like bar that, that booked us and like a couple other bands that were on the tour. And it was like the, the, the locals were like th- from three hours away and they were oh. late and like oh, we had to wow. wait. From, so we didn't even, we, cause we were switching, like everyone was playing like headlining a night so we were all switching between oh, the bands sure and so we it was our turn to headline and we didn't headline till 2 a.m mm. because it was just that like awful wow <laughs> and so it was just like and like weird in there and it's like and it's west virginia there's like confederate flags everywhere and like we got dakota <laughs> with us and we're just like dakota's like i don't know how i feel here you yeah. know so it was just like it was a it was an interesting and that's just like those are the shows that you're playing like and at the time you think about them and you're like god fuck this sucks like i can't even like imagine wanting to play another show the next day because Mm. it could just get worse yeah so that like that at the time you don't think about how beneficial that kind of grind is you know because that you know driving till five six in the morning so you can get to the next spot on time you know with a couple hours of sleep and like you know getting there and like nobody's there and like you know because you're playing those tours where most of the promoters don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, right. obviously a few of the shows are really well done, but mm-hmm. there's a majority of them that aren't, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people that are like, eh, we're not, you know, so you're getting in there, you're like, shit. 
<laughs> like, like shit's hard. Yeah. Especially early on. But, it, you know, just like the people that you meet on the tour mm-hmm. is what makes you want to keep doing it. Because right. those people that really were listening to us came, mm-hmm. you know, and well, it, mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say small crowds kind of give you the opportunity to form somewhat of a relationship right. with these people that paid money to come see you and stuck around. I mean, that it's hard enough to go to a town and find a show, let alone have people that have never heard of you come out and see you play. So you're right. given the opportunity to, to sort of steal their interest and steal their affection and yep. try to get them intrigued by what you're doing. And a lot of the people chance. that hadn't heard of us on our very first tour, like, when we went back to those cities, they came back. Mm. So it was like, and then we formed like a relationships with those people mm-hmm. through Facebook. And sure. like, so we know who they are. Yeah. You know, they might, they're not my best friend or anything. You know, sure. I see them once a year, you know, now I haven't seen them in a long time mm-hmm. because of the, but right before the pandemic, we were on the tour with convictions and they're from Ohio. And, uh, we went to Cincinnati, like pretty much everybody that we'd met at the previous shows were there to see us bought yeah. merch. And like, mm-hmm. so it was like, yeah, it was, it, it is very cool to actually be able to, Cause I, for the upcoming, like we came as Romans tour, I like, I have no idea like <laughs> what to expect, <laughs> like with like how I can talk to fans and yeah. And oh, right. there's just gonna be a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be uh, definitely a, <laughs> a learning process getting thrown into the fire yeah. kind of a thing. But like for like, for the convictions tour, like that was our tour where everything was like really feeling like it was falling into place. Like, and we had like tours that were booked and, in advance later on that year, but that got canceled by the, by the pandemic. Yep. So we were doing like four tours, four tours already booked. So it was like, wow, we're doing quite a bit, you know, like it mm-hmm. feels like we're actually working, which is, which is good. This is where we want to be because that's how you get in front of those like bigger opportunities, you know, absolutely grinding as hard as you can. But so we, fuck, I lost my place. <laughs> we were talking about, the grind of the shows, the people you're meeting. Yeah, so small meeting shows. the people, it, it's a it's a lot it's a lot cooler because they they knew like all of our stuff it's coming out to this tour, and and it was very like it, it was almost like every show would have somebody that was like a diehard fan, like knew every like so they'd be singing yeah, the yeah. words, and it was like wow, like that's. You know, then you get to actually interact with those people. Like yeah. you get to talk to them, and I'm hoping that I still have that ability at some capacity to do that on like the bigger tours that we have coming up in the future. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, like being able to like hang out and talk to people that you've never met that like know your stuff intimately. It's 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 surreal for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever, sorry to interrupt you, but have you ever had any uh, times on the road where you have those fans that are like the diehards that come in, know all your lyrics, everything about the song or the band, and they do they share these things with you, like personal things where they're like, hey man, I just got to tell you, that song you wrote, I listened to it at this time in my life and it really helped me get through that. I mean, have you experienced that at all in, in some of these? Absolutely, like a lot, mm-hmm. to be honest, like... um I've had fans get emotional and like, it's, it's crazy. Like, cause some of these songs are like the deepest, like darkest things I've ever thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like it's connecting to people, like in a way that I never expected it to, Sure. because I didn't really write it for anybody else. I kind of wrote mm-hmm. it for me cause right. I was I needed the therapy. It was kind of like just blurt, you know, blurting out everything on the page that I wasn't able to really say in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to have these people like that know all the lyrics and like have followed the band and you know like at the 
So they still I didn't know like I don't think they knew like us intimately like as mm. people like every band member and like I feel like they were just very connected to the music, but it's still they knew who we were. They came to the show, you know, of the twenty, you know, at that at that tour was like the fifty to seventy five to hundred range, you know, mm. and it was pretty. There was one show it was like five kids. We still had two people there that were like crazy fans and bought like mm. everything we had like on on the merch table. Mm. So we we were never, no matter what, we were never like like dissatisfied with like the people like people that came. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you're on those small tours and sometimes promoters don't do their jobs and yeah. bands don't sell tickets because it's hard. I mean, I. Selling tickets sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like it's I hate yeah. selling tickets. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's awful. But I mean, you I know, it. yeah, yeah. The 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 more that you kind of go through it yourself, and you kind of see the difference between a show that someone actually does put in the effort to sell the tickets versus someone that's like, ah, fuck these tickets. I don't want to sell tickets. Blah blah blah. Yeah. You see the difference, and yeah. then you know you ultimately appreciate the work that gets put into those shows. Well, and I think too, this took me a little bit of time to learn because I started in music as more of a promoter and then became a person that played in bands. So it took mm-hmm. me a little bit of time to learn this, but you as a band sort of have the opportunity to, you, you, you can learn as you go with promoters and you can see, oh, this guy's going to make us sell tickets. But if we try even if we don't, if we only sell half or not even half of them, this person will not hold that against us or make us, you know, pay more money in addition to whatever money we have. You can kind of learn as you go and decide, oh, he, they offered us the show, but we kind of had a weird ticket issue. They wanted us to pay ahead of time or something. Right. And you have the opportunity to say, no, I don't think we're going to play your show. I think we'll wait for the next one that comes through. You kind of have this opportunity yeah. to learn as you go. Yeah. That was something I definitely had learned by Holofront, like that kind mm-hmm. of like stuff. Cause I dealt with that in other bands for sure. Like mm-hmm. not selling all the tickets and there was no like agreed upon, like agreed upon, like you're gonna have to pay the rest if you don't sell them all. Mm-hmm. Like that was never said, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and I was like, you know, he's like, you've got to pay me back. Like it was like $300 or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> like yeah. not happening, dude. Right. Never said like, we sold like the most tickets out of all the local bands here, like 30, 40 tickets. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that we couldn't sell more, but that's what we sold. Yeah. And, but there's like eight locals on this show. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the, what do you expect? How many, right, how many right. locals do you think there are? Yeah. Jeez. Well, and that's another thing I'm kind of happy went away with. It, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember these, but those Johnson Hall shows that were 20, 25 bands. That yeah. Would, it would start at 4 p.m. and go to 2 a.m. or something. Just a ridiculous amount. But yeah. the promoters were doing the right thing, making every band sell 30 to 50 tickets. And you're like, okay, at 20, you keep all the money. But only after I've made a good couple hundred dollars off you you know you kind of learn who's in it for they want that money or they really just genuinely want to grow a band's following or yeah you know and i think it's tough yeah that's hard to work your way through by the time Hollowfront came along there were really no like grand rapids promoters it was just working straight with the venues sure yeah there was no promoters Mm -hmm. that we were like going through well fusion I guess they're promoters. Mm-hmm. So, but they, you know, it was like the pyramid scheme. So yeah. it's like we were going to hit a fusion. We want to play the pyramid scheme. Yep. Do you guys work with audio tree now that Nate's made the switch over to audio tree at all? So we're more, we're more with live nation now. Sure. So we'll probably play. I want to play the pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. I, that was honestly like, cause we're doing like a, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but we're doing like a show, a headliner show this year, later this year, mm-hmm. like the only show we're playing Grapids for like the foreseeable future. So we're mm-hmm. trying to like have a big show. And we I side told our agents, um, I was like, hey, hit up hit up the dude from uh hit Nate. Hit up mm-hmm. Nate and get us a show at the pyramid scheme because I wanted to just do the pyramid scheme. But Live Nation is really into Hollow Front. So we and we work with them quite a bit on like on the other stuff. So it was like they offered us a spot at the intersection. So we just said, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's just a no brainer, you know, when someone that you already have a relationship working relationship yeah. with asks you, right. you know, you're just like, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but like that, like, but for Grand Rapids, it's like, that's how it is. Like, there's no like dude who's at the yeah. intersection being like, or like five, six different dudes, you know? Yeah. Not like it used to be back in the day. Yeah. Even though Skeletons is reopening. Yeah. Yep. We had Mark on uh, not too long ago. Yep. For an episode. Yeah. That's very really cool. excited about that. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you have tours lined up. You you're in full full form. You know, you guys are going. Yeah. Hit a wall. Yep. Pandemic. Everything's canceled for three, the foreseeable three future. Three tours at the time canceled. What did you guys go into the pandemic? What was the mindset? Obviously, it's devastating to have all these things planned out and then watch them crumble in front of you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for understandable reasons, you know, it's not every day or every year that this happens. Mm-hmm. But what is your mindset going into? Are you kind of like, what are we going to do now? Or do you do you stay with that same focus and just, you know, kind of keep going? Well, we'll figure it out. You know, like what what's your mindset going into? So I do want to say this part before I get into that. So I want to set this up because this kind of has to do with the tour that's coming up. Mm -hmm. So we play with uh, we were invited to play with uh, we came as Romans, the Devil's Prada, and it was Gideon at the time Mm -hmm. with Dayseeker. We were we were um, invited to open in Indianapolis, which just is like two, three days before everything shuts down. So we go and it's like, we're just on the clock, you know, cause it's like, no, it, what they didn't have locals on the tour. It was like our in with David Puckett, who's the drummer. He does all our marketing and stuff. So he's mm-hmm. like, let's try to get Holofront on a show. And like, you know, I was like sick. Yeah. So we drove down there. We played the show, sold out. Amazing. And then we come back and two days later, everything shuts down. Like, I mean, it like, and we were just like, all the tours were getting canceled. Everyone was going home. And like we came as Romans was canceling their tour and we we're just like, oh my God, like everything changed so quickly. Yeah. It went from like being so high, like up high and then like <laughs> being like bulldozed, yeah. and, like just watching it crumble because it was, it, it, it took a few, it took a little while before we, before I think I, cause like I, I've always been like a depressed person. Like I've, I've had that like my whole life. So yeah. I naturally just fell into a slump because I was discouraged and I was just like, nothing is ever going to work out for me ever with music. It's It's, like, it's it's like, like, it's like a curse. Yeah. You kind of take the, the one step forward and, you know, two steps back. Yeah. And I felt like it was like, we had like some really cool tours that like, they don't really compare to the tours that we're booking now. But mm-hmm. they were just really cool tours. Like we were gonna be seeing the whole country. Yeah, you know, and it was like I mean, you guys were on that, you know, that path. Yeah, you guys that, were on your on your uphill climb. Yeah, and you know, it just everything just hit a wall with the yep. pandemic. So, so we we were not because we had already been we loose threads was done by this time. It'd been done. Yeah, like almost a it'd been done for like a year. Mm-hmm. So we were just sitting on it, waiting for we were hitting up labels. We were just trying to do that kind of a thing because Ryan was our manager and that's what Ryan was like trying to focus because, excuse me. So Ryan said, you know, if you want really good booking agents, 
you need to have good good management, good label like labels looking into because if you know that's that's how you get in with those really good like booking agents is when is when labels are interested you know mm-hmm. when they're taking like the the, the name and you know the the labels that are like bigger in the industry that actually have like those names that you know so it's like we wanted that you know so we were sending out the album making trying to get all the labels interested mm-hmm. and it wasn't really happening because i think everybody was kind of like pandemic and what do we we're not gonna yeah. take out any risks of new bands and mm. it's like whoa like we don't know when this is gonna end we cannot sit on this forever right like we can like i was losing it like i was <laughs> like it's been over a year since it's been done i was like we need to put this out yeah and like luckily brian and our and david our marketing guy he he agreed they agreed mm-hmm. and so we started to just push that out when we released the first single from that it was loose threads yep and it just kind of like went crazy from there like like nuts yeah overnight. I, had, I think it was a good timing honestly yeah just because everyone was home yeah everyone was like on unemployment and yeah. mo- at least most people a lot were. of bands were holding off right you know their release their releases yep. and everything and then all of a sudden you guys were like bam here's our shit yeah and, and we dropped on the same day as like make them suffer's new album which mm-hmm. you know i think would have been nice if we wouldn't have had them on the same day as us, <laughs> but it didn't hurt us at all no but we like a couple weeks before that was like the ghost inside's new album mm-hmm. and current's new album like they dropped on the same day and it was like whoa i was like i don't know if i want to i'm like nervous around the time that because like band like some of the bigger bands were dropping stuff but yeah. it was like all the local bands were really like like sheltered themselves because they were you know writing and doing new stuff and yeah we'd already had the stuff done. So yeah. it was like, it was ready to be the video. We, sh- we filmed that the, the fall before we released the, the, the album. Oh, wow. So like, it was like, we were sitting on stuff for a quite a long time and we got the other stuff done pretty quickly in the time, very small time we had for the rollout, but we just crushed, you know, worked really hard. And I was doing like, we didn't, we didn't really hire any designers. I was doing like all the, like the, like we had merch, like like designs made, but I was doing like all like the graphics and stuff, the videos, the little ads and stuff. Like yeah. I was working crazy, like all day on this <laughs> stuff because I was just like, I don't. We didn't have the money right. to like pay. We, we were paying a lot in marketing. Mm-hmm. That's where our money was going. Like we're like we're just gonna put like this amount of money down on marketing and just push, push, push because our marketing was working fairly well. Because David Puckett is a genius. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if anybody like is looking for hit up, um, hyper, it's Hyperculture, I believe is the name of it, but he is great. And he does like works with so many big bands. Um, I think he works with like, uh, gosh, is that the Doja cat? Mm-hmm. I think he works with Doja cat. Okay. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> so I don't even. I, <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. But he works with like pretty like well known artists besides like metalcore bands. But he works with like you know works with all the metalcore bands that you know. Yeah. You know he does all their marketing and stuff. So that really helped us too. Like it was. I I remember listening on a podcast and someone mentioned us. So that's why I listened to it. I was like some, somebody's like, hey, this person mentioned you on this podcast. I was like, all right, I gotta go listen to it. Yeah, album. yeah. So we went and I was listening and I was like, yeah, I just I keep seeing this band like everywhere on Instagram. It's like Hollow Front. And I'm like, oh shit. And it's like, I never, I didn't know this guy. I know him now. We, we talked on the internet a few times, but it's like, uh-huh. it's just cool hearing that. It's like, and like everyone was super hyped. And like, we had, we had like seven label offers at the time. Like, nice. cause it was just like, it was getting real, like right off the bat, like, and, and all this was going down while we were releasing it. So we released it independent. Yeah. 
and then we got picked up by UNFD like after like all the negotiations and like the labels like some of the labels weren't giving like any they were just giving normal first band deals mm-hmm. we kind of wanted something a little better to be honest yeah absolutely we, we had like I think a million streams on loose threads in the first week so it was like yeah you guys had a lot of traction compared to some other bands that right. I've seen gotten signed in the past couple years mm-hmm. or whatever like it just made sense that you guys would hold off until you get a good deal. And we got the best deal for yeah. sure. Like um, UNFD is super cool, and it feels like they're they almost feel like a mom and pop kind of like run. Mm-hmm. Just, it's a very small team, you know. Yeah. So you meet everybody, and it's not like everybody's in behind a veil, you know. So it's it, good. It's super cool company, and they have like some of the world's best metalcore bands. Like yeah, you know. And, and being being based off based out of Australia just makes me be like I want to go to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> right. absolutely. That's like you know it's like they're they just they're super cool and it was kind of a no brainer with the other offers. It was just like you know they they were the best offer. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know with the new record that we've already recorded, it's going to be like insane. Do you think having that time during the pandemic to sort of slow things down and take account of what you what you really wanted and get what you really wanted that was sort of maybe that extra stepping stone that you didn't know you needed? I mean, obviously nobody wants a pandemic, but yeah. do you think in a in a strange way maybe like having that time to really get everything fine tuned might have been the a thing that helped you guys progress in the way you I think so for sure. I I don't think that those tours that we had booked would have hurt us at all. I think mm-hmm. we still would have but I think what happened, what actually happened was way better, mm, you know, like sure. we did have time to slow down and, but at the same time we weren't like, mm. we were still writing, we were recording at Lee's and like we mm. were in with label interest that made us want to work even harder. So we were starting right. to work on new stuff for the net new record, like immediately. Mm. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were like chilling at home, not doing anything, you know, after loose stories came out, we're like. I think it was two weeks later we were in the studio doing another song. Yep. Like it was just like we want to keep working. Yeah, and then that's kind of how like Wearing Thin came from because that wasn't even like a song that was going to go on our next record. Mm-hmm. But like UNFD was like we want to put out like a single with you, when when you when you announce. So yeah. we're like okay, so we just gave we did Wearing Thin and it worked out, and so we were doing videos for that and like photo shoots and so we did a lot of stuff during the pandemic and we stayed as busy as possible, practicing as much as possible. Um, acquiring all the gear that I feel like we needed that you know we didn't have before, you know, so we're like feel like we're way more ready now than we were then. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that it could have gone either way. It could have taken us a little bit longer. I mean, even maybe the grind of the touring would have gotten us exactly to the spot <laughs> right now, but maybe later. You know, yeah. I feel like it was it was beneficial for the for us to take a moment during the pandemic to be like. Here's our album. I know you're all chilling at home. Listen to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, you, we, we could sit here and be like, oh, we could have done these tours and things might have turned out the way it was. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it seems like you took a, an awful situation and turned it into the best possible outcome that you could. And I feel right. like not everybody can say that during that during the course of this pandemic, they progressed their band in a way that maybe it would have taken a lot more work to do in not to say that you guys didn't put up the work, obviously, you right. did, but there, there's something to be said about having to, you know, bunker down and not be able to be a social person and still be able to grind and get right. done the things that you need. You to just do. have to really put effort into, and it sucked because we, 
we ran out of live pictures fairly quickly. Like that, mm. that was our big thing is that we were always posting like pictures of us playing live and like mm. so we were playing a lot of shows at the time before the pandemic. Sure. And it's like we lose, we lost that kind of content. So we had to kind of switch, you know, to like a little bit more. Like we have a Hollow Front community on Facebook that I've, I've been like adminning and like it's like a group where everyone like comes and like they can post about the band or anything really. They can post about anything as long as it's not politics or religion or anything mm. like that. It's a music based group but i've I've put a lot of time in that and like i'm part of that group you are that's how i that's how i remembered andrew that's, yeah because i i've man i i'm bad with names go yeah. with faces I, I may or may not be in your guys's video shoot coming up yeah so we'll talk about that when we're done with this because i knew that i remember i talked to you in the email yep um but so yeah what was the question again <laughs> sorry well, i think that's okay. i think that you answered it pretty well, but okay. the, the question was more so, I guess, about uh, during the pandemic, you know, using that time off and yeah. like really taking that situation and making it into your own and really like getting yourself in a position where you could mm-hmm. go out of the pandemic and be successful. Really. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, I would have liked to be touring right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like now that bands are actually touring, I would like to be just, but. Taking the taking the chill and yep. waiting for the the we came as Romans tour, you know. Yep. So, like, and like we had some tours that were booked, like bigger tours that were kind of booked dur- with the idea that the pandemic might be over, yeah, you know. But then things fell apart, and it was like those tours didn't work out, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But it was like the we came as Romans one kind of was like you know so far away. Like, why don't we just like say? Well, we couldn't say no, obviously. Right. right. So we're just like, we got to sit on this for like a whole, like, because we got asked like last year. Mm. So it was like, oh, it's been a while. So we've been sitting mm-hmm. on that for a long time. Mm-hmm. But when we got asked, it was like, this is it. Like, this is where we like, it's our chance to like, yeah. like, can't fuck it up. Like, because <laughs> like, it's, you know, and it's not like I'd say like if we were the worst band on the tour that we would never get picked up for another tour. But I'm just like, right. I don't want to be that. I want to be like mm. on top of our game. Yeah. You know, every every single person just killing it every night. You know, the best to the best of our ability because it is a long tour. It's thirty. It's going to be thirty three shows. Wow, right on in forty one days. So it's nice. like. Yeah, right on. thrown into the mix mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, luckily we have a little break after that, like for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. At least for now, I don't know. We might, who knows? We could pick something up, but at this point, yeah. it doesn't look like anything's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do like a big Grand Rapids show, which will be cool because we haven't played Grand Rapids in like since 2000, 2019. Mm-hmm. So it'll be cool to like have like a so we're back show. Yeah, because I would like to have at least one. Big Hollow Front show in Grand Rapids every year. Yeah, like a, this, like a, a yearly annual party thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that would be like my in uh, like because like I don't feel like a lot of bands don't they're they aren't doing that. You yeah, because it's like everyone's still like super like local level, and I was like I want to try to build Grand Rapids so that at least that one time a year we're like blowing the place out. You yeah. know, and, like every year getting like into the bigger part of the intersection. You know, I want, yep. I want to play the elevation and you know, the main stage. Eventually that's like where I want like every year. Like that, that's at least my goal for now. Yeah. Cause yeah, I like that. We're not really going to be able to play Grand Rapids much, but what, unless it's on a tour. Yeah. Right. So we'll come through playing on the tour, but we'll have like our big show. Yep. So that's our plan for the rest of the year. And then next year is kind of starting to book up, which is cool. Nice. 
Now I want to talk about the Week Hamish Romans tour a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Um, first off, let's talk about maybe how that came to be. But I also kind of want to hear what your expectation is in terms of do you keep your expectations low? Is there a certain uh, a certain sort of sense of professionalism that you guys want to convey to these bands that obviously you know you've looked at as an influence and now you're going on the road with them i mean what what's the mindset leading into it what what band do you hope to be and what band do you uh i guess compared to the band that you are now what band do you think is going to go into that tour and then come out what band do you hope comes out of that tour i guess is the question i was trying to get around yeah to. i totally get what you're saying <laughs> um hmm that one's thought provoking. <laughs> so I think that we definitely, I mean, professionalism is definitely number one in my rule book, which is hard for me sometimes because like I can be loud and obnoxious and say dumb shit. And <laughs> so I really have to try to rein that in on this tour. You know, just say, <laughs> and for a, um, plan A is not to piss anybody off. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's just like, cause these guys are giving us an opportunity and like we came as like, we know, some people have we came as Romans and we know Dave, I know David quite, you know, well, obviously we're not like best friends, but we're, you mm -hmm. know, we, we're business associates Yeah, and we talk on, you know, we text and we, so him getting us on this tour was like a really big, like, and I'm sure like being on UNFD and like getting the, the, the agents set. Cause I think we share the same agents. Mm -hmm. So well, that helped, you know? So I was like, let's put Halifron out there, you know, give him the shot. And so I definitely want to be the band that want, they want to bring back. Mm hmm. Um, but I also want to be the band that steals their fans, you know, <laughs> like I, yeah. like not, not a malicious way. I just want no. to go out there and capture the attention of the fans that came there to see we came because in reality, there will be people there that to see Holofront. Mm. Do I think it'll be hundreds? Probably not. Not on this tour, at least, you know, I think it'll be, and at least that's my expectations. I don't right. know. I might get bombarded like the Beatles and then I'll have, you know, all <laughs> the montage scenes where you're running to get into the taxi cab. You right. know, that's never going to happen. But, <laughs> but I hope that, I hope that with fans, like, hmm, I hope that I can still have that, like, ability to capture a fan, like, outside of the music, like, mm. like, like talking with them and stuff, which sure. I have no, I have no idea. Like, cause, cause like, and I'm not like the, the rule is like, we're supposed to like, we can't really be at the merch table. Like while the other bands are playing, that's just, that's just common courtesy, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Cause you don't want fans of yours coming up and like bothering you. Um, but I definitely want to have that intimacy, but also capture the new audience, you know? Cause there are people that are going to come see Holofront. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I still want to be able to cater to those people because those people are the people in the community or the people that have really followed us from the beginning. Like those are the people that are going to buy like everything. Yeah. And they're going to give you their most like heartfelt story and you're going to connect with them and you're going to remember them the next time you come. So I want to have a balance of like the new and the old kind of a thing, you know? I think mm -hmm. that it's, it, and it's very like, it's ang anxiety is what I can say <laughs> about it. Like, cause it's like, like you just gotta breathe. Yeah. Like I'm already I'm feeling it just talking about it. <laughs> because it's like it's it's crazy. Cause we go yeah, from man. playing those hundred cap room or you know, not really hundred cap, but like a hundred people in the two hundred and fifty cap room. Right. You know, not filled out, but we're playing these shows with like bands that do sell out shows in like thousand to two thousand size. It's gonna be bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I like 
I might throw up. I like <laughs> I because it's 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 surreal. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like you like and I never really grew up with, like a big Week Games Romans or Devil Wears Prada fan. Like and uh, but I respect both those bands tremendously, and they've toured for fifteen years or so. Mm-hmm. So like that's how I look up to them, and you know, not so much for their music, but for their like grind and their effort and what they've mm-hmm. done like on the road and like the fact that they can pack out these massive venues just like that you know like that's that's an it's admirable because it's hard to do oh yeah for sure so it's cool to just be a part of that and i want to make sure that we hollow like looked at as the band like oh yeah they were great we want to bring them back out you know not the band that's like fuck them (laughs) (laughs) they suck and they are assholes so that's that's my goal not to do that i highly doubt that'll happen i think you guys will be just fine I, I I agree. We're very <laughs> professional. Like it's it's just it's just the 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 fear of the unknown. Oh yeah, for so sure. So you're just yeah. like you have no idea, mm-hmm. like what to what's happening or what like that first you could walk in and like everything could be completely different than what you thought it would be, or it could be it just you have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm and I try to visualize. I visualize it daily, of course. <laughs> Because it's something I've dreamt of doing for so long, and the fact that the pandemic kind of took took that away from me for playing any kind of show, you know, yeah. not just touring, but any kind of show, it's the fact that like that's that's gonna be the first, the first like come back. Yep. It's like we gotta like go in with like the most level heads possible and like just kill it. Yeah, essentially. Now, are, you guys are opening the tour, correct? Absolutely. You're the first yeah. slot every Which night. I'm happy about. Yeah. What is that? Is there? Okay. This is the question I want to ask. Being the opening band on the on the tour, you're. I, I mean, obviously, maybe there's a local here and there on a show. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know what, uh, what's what going on with booked. that. But what do you think? Is it is it stressful at all? The idea that you're the band that's going to play the first note of the night you're the first song you're creating this energy for the whole show right. not to give you more anxiety you're setting the that, scene. You, that you might already have but, <laughs> yeah. but you have you have this amazing opportunity at your mm-hmm. hands but you also kind of i won't say it's a burden but you have that responsibility to get every night started right. on the show i mean is that it obviously probably feels you, you you know like you said with some anxiety mm-hmm. there's a little nerves there but i mean do you think it's going to take you guys very long to settle in and really get your your feet in? I mean, you're going to be out there on stage, and I feel like maybe it'll just sink right back in, and you guys right. will feel it right away. I mean, do you do you carry that as a as a burden or as a privilege? Do you think? It's definitely a privilege. Yeah. Um, I would never call like it a burden just right. because the opportunity is outstanding. Mm. Yeah. So definitely, but it is like yeah, like nerve wracking to be like that first. But luckily, we being the first band, I. I honestly believe I'm a okay with it because mm-hmm. we play first. We have a like a legit sound check, you know, every night, mm-hmm. and then we have after we play the whole night. It's like right. we could go eat. We could, you know, yeah. like when you're headlining and you're like co-headlining and you're like switching back and forth and you're playing like bar show like 25 people and you have to play at like almost 11 or midnight it's like no that sucks <laughs> no. Like, so, <laughs> so that the fact that this kind of tour this tour is like completely opposite of that we're opening and we kind of but yeah like obviously like being the first band to kind of like kick off and we're the first band that's going to kick off the tour like yeah right so and there's and i'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there that have like not heard of us until the tour came and then looked us up 
that might have an expectation. So I have to like, you know, really, really. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I always have anxiety until like the first step on the stage. Like mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the one that everyone's setting up and I'm back over. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Okay. All right. We've done this a thousand times. You can do this. You right. got this. And you're just like, breathe it in, breathe it out. And then that your cue, man, you, th- what are you going to do? Miss it? Right. No, well, you got to go. So yep. you go out there and then you just, Falls right back into the natural rhythm of absolutely of just playing. Um, I hope that's how what happens, and I don't walk out there and just like spew on the front row, <laughs> just like <laughs> hollow front, and then that'd be all press. Like <laughs> the vocalist of hollow front first show of the weekend's Roma tour blows chunks on the audience. <laughs> um, but no, that's yeah. So it's it's not a burden. It's it's definitely a privilege, and um, very grateful. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. very cool. Well, I think. Let's do a little bit of a lightning round. We'll have you promote some stuff, and then we'll yeah. do the closer. Let me hear what your favorite, like a memory, like a moment in Hollow Friends history that just sort of sticks out to you as Man. like. Should have gave this earlier, so I could thought. <laughs> I, it's my, it might be kind of tough to just think of one on the spot, but it's just one that like when you have to have like oh. That's the that's the moment I'll always remember. All right, I think I have a good one. It's mm-hmm. not like an m- amazing, massive moment, but it was. <laughs> they actually, never usually are. <laughs> but it was just I, I'll never forget it. So I think this is right. it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And Brandon will get a kick out of this one because it was <laughs> me and Brandon. So it was after the show in Dallas, in Texas. It was Denton, Texas, at the pizza place, and we come out and like we had like a tip jar. And we split the tips four ways, like because we all do merch. Um, mm-hmm. We're not. We have a merch guy now, but back then we were doing our own merch. So we, you know, we got quartered it out to each band member. They each got it. But that night we made a lot. Yeah, like really good. Like and like each band member was getting like 40, 50 bucks. And so it was me and Brandon in the van. I'm like, Brandon, what you get there? And he's like, metalcore money. <laughs> and, it's just like, and then we went and like bought snacks at a gas station because that's like what you do on tour. So yeah. it was like, it was just very like, and, I, and there's a video of it on my Instagram, like in my tour memories, because I have like from the conviction tour, I have like hundreds of tour memories, but there's just that video of him going, metalcore money. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Because that's like what we've always, every time we get a nice hotel, it's like metalcore brought us here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we, I, Realistically, we paid for it out of our own pocket, but we're like metalcore, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What is it about metalcore that draws you in? Like, what about the genre specifically is your, like, what's your reason for wanting to play in that style? The energy, the, it's still heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's honestly more heavy than the stuff I listened to on the radio back in the day. You know, it's, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. heavy metalcore bands. And I like the mixture of like, and, you know, like, we have deathcore influences and, like, all... We have a lot of different... We don't just subscribe to just metalcore, but mm-hmm. just that... The the whole accumulation of genres into the metalcore is just, like... I don't know. It's fun. It's energetic. And people... You know, and it doesn't make the most money. It's, I'm never going to be a millionaire off this no. unless I get to be, like, Breaming the Horizon size, but they're not technically metalcore anymore. Right. So... Well, I guess their new album was they had some metalcore stuff on their new album, but but it's it's weird because metalcore has also changed its definition many times. Mm. Like the kill switch metalcore versus the uh, invent animate metalcore is just like completely yeah. and utterly different. But they're still sur- they still survive in the same you know timeline yeah. of what metalcore is. So mm-hmm. yeah, so metalcore is just it could be anything. I just like heavy music, and I like and I'm a better screamer than I am a singer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of like where yeah, metalcore is great. And I've been in other bands that have been like death metal and um, 
damn, I did like slam slam shit for a second. That's mm-hmm. like oh, grindcore. Like yeah. I've done as many genres as as the the, the fad genres. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are like when you go out on the road? What are your places that you go? that you're like in this city, oh, we need to go to this spot and get this food. Like what, I, I'm a big fan of food and I just love hearing All right, people like All right, we got like a perfect one. It's nothing crazy, but it's called <laughs> Mike's Burgers. And mm. and it's it's in it's in Cincinnati, but it's right over the, the bridge in Kentucky. And I can't remember the name of the city right now. But we played there on our first tour and we, it was just right around the corner. So we just mm. like, eh, this place got some good reviews. But it was like, burgers are like amazed like holy shit and it was like a one was like a cheat like a grilled cheese two grilled cheese were like the buns oh so like a grilled cheese bun nice tell with, me everything with like you know whatever you whatever you wanted in the middle mm-hmm. you know you, the, you could get two patties you could get one patty you could get like all the fixings mm-hmm. they had like a special like sauce wow. that they have like the Mike sauce and like we just every time we went back to the city we went to that spot and i think that that has to hold the cake for the most places we've besides like denny's sure because denny you can't count that <laughs> denny's is that place to go at 2 3 a.m when you're like yeah I'm starving but i could also probably shouldn't eat but i'm going to because it's whatever yeah mm-hmm. so but mike's mike's burgers and mad mike's and mad mike's, mad mike's. giving it a shot newport kentucky yes okay newport kentucky go there i'll keep that in mind mad that mike's sounds incredible because it is really fucking good and like the fries are like perfect every time and like mm. they give you a good it's a good it's a good portion. It's not like too much, not too little. Mm. And it's, I would say 12 bucks with a tip. Like it's oh, fairly right cheap Nice with a drink. And then you pay like three, three, four bucks for a tip. Like definitely affordable for yeah, super affordable. Meal, yeah. that, that was the thing is like on that tour, we were super poor. <laughs> like we were, you know, as, as the tours go on, like you get lucky and they start giving you like buyouts into the night and like yep. start filling your rider up. So you have like snacks, you know? Yep. No, one thing I, this is kind of a little off topic, topic adjacent, I guess more so, but you mentioned grilled cheese and it made me think of it. Have you guys ever played in Cleveland and gone to Melt? We have, we've played in Cleveland once, but we've never okay. gone to Melt, but we, we are playing Cleveland coming up. So okay. maybe I should look into that. Yeah. Melt is this, it's just like a grilled cheese shop from what I've never been myself. But okay. when the one time I played in Cleveland, we, we ended up going to, uh, fuck, I'm forgetting the Fatheads Brewery which is also an incredible spot. I would recommend that place right. as well. But we played with another band. They were called Rocky Cat Knees in the Chapter. One of the best bands I've ever seen, by the way. Um, <laughs> but they had gone to Melt. And I guess there's a sandwich that's a grilled cheese that has like 27 different kinds of cheese on it. Cheese. And the guy ate... It was like a heart attack. Yeah. Oh, delicious. Cheese. Delicious heart attack. <laughs> this, this guy ate this sandwich and then we did not meet him the entire night. He was in the van all night because he basically died from eating the sandwich. <laughs> and he, he only came out to play the show and then I think he went back in the to van die. but yeah. to, to continue dying. But that that's a place I've never been but I've always heard incredible So things. that's probably not a place to eat before you play. Yeah, yeah. That's, you should that's wait till after, after when you can like chill in the van yeah yeah. Uh, yeah like and that's hard too because sometimes you don't get like you're too busy you don't get to eat mm-hmm. so but mm-hmm. our my rule for this tour is not eating until either eating like oh, something smaller during the day mm-hmm. before we play mm-hmm. like hours before yeah and then playing and then eating dinner like right after yeah you know mm-hmm. showering because a lot of these venues have showers which is nice <laughs> what the hell it's like the, <laughs> the taj mahal Woo! it's like 
I, usually we just take like you know we had Planet Fitness cards, but the first tour we did, we were doing like you know sink yeah. sink baths. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I don't want to do that ever again. <laughs> That's it's funny you mentioned that. I did one show at the Dogwood Center in Fremont years ago. I think City Lights might have been the band that was like the headline back then. But the venue itself was by far the nicest venue I'd ever booked any bands in before because it had showers and all these utilities and the bands went on and on about how much they loved it. And it, that <laughs> yeah. always, like, I'd always like, that's, little things, that's man. the goal right yep. there. Yeah, you never really think about it in the moment, just these little things that the bands will appreciate while they get yeah. there, you know. And I'm like, that's the goal now. That's where I want to play in my lifetime. It's somewhere that I can take a shower. <laughs> Not even if I need to. I just, right? yeah, I just want to be able to. You would just have that option. Like even a rinse off, man. Just like yeah. after the show, just rinsing oh, off, yeah. you know. But yeah, going from <laughs> going from sink showers to a, like a shower showers. Like, we did Planet Fitness, but like that first mm. tour was like five six days of no showers. Mm. We were all it was the the <laughs> funk, man. Yeah. Was and it never left that band. We had to just blow it up. We <laughs> just had to. We just had to get rid of it. Mm. Now this will be the last question I ask in the light on. This is usually what we close it with. Uh, so you have, the question is, you're the headlining band. You get to pick three other bands that you've either played with, toured with, worked with in some capacity, and you get to pick the venue. You book your own show. It's your dream hollow front lineup. Who are you going with? Well, the people we've played with before. Yeah, yeah, just bands that you've worked with, either, you know, toured with, played so with definitely, in some capacity. I would say Elevation, because mm. it's legit. It's super sick. Mm-hmm. And it's got, like, the newest stuff. It's got that big light wall behind us. I'd like mm-hmm. to use that. Um, probably Sleep Waker, just because they're the other big local Grand Rapids band. Like, mm-hmm. I think that every time we play shows, always really, really good friends of ours. So it's just yeah. like mm-hmm. them. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Definitely them. And and I say this. And let me make a note. I guess. The three bands you pick, it's not to say that you wouldn't love to pick every band that you've worked yeah. with. You know, this is in no way a diss on so, any okay, of the here's bands you don't Archers. Pick. They're from okay. Wisconsin. They're super good. Okay. They're just a, a band we did like a small little run with them, became like good friends with them. Like, and they come out and, yeah, so that would be really cool. I don't think they ever played here. Um, and then, like, if I was going to pick one more. Man, I wish I could pick Spirit Box, but I haven't played with them. <laughs> um, ooh, Gideon, because I have played with Gideon. Oh, I guys. like them. I just they would they'd probably be up a they'd probably be closer to a headliner though, mm. like direct sport. <laughs> but like that that I do like Gideon a lot. So that yeah. I you know and I I I wish that the tour had just been like us added and then they kept Gideon. I don't think mm. they got rid of Gideon. I think Gideon had like some tour schedule issues or mm-hmm. something they they couldn't fulfill this tour. So then we luckily were given the spot of the opening and Dayseeker moved up. So that yeah, Gideon would be cool because yeah, I enjoyed playing with because I play we played with Gideon a few times over the last like two years. Yeah, and like the the vocalist is super cool and like always recognizes me. So yeah. it's cool. <laughs> nice. Well, I have one more question and then we'll have you promote some stuff. But I uh, just based on some of the things that you've mentioned throughout the course of the episode so far and uh, just like it really kind of maybe seems like that to me. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it. Do you think in some way, whether or not you even noticed it at the time, do you think that hollow front sort of maybe saved you in a way? Cause you know, you, you kind of hit this at the, at just looking for a hobby mm-hmm. and then it becomes this, 
you know, you're going through these things, you're mentioning being depressed and you just go had gone through a divorce. I mean, do you think in a weird way, maybe without realizing it at the time, this band saved you from something that you, a different path that wouldn't have brought you to where you are now? I feel like it has a few times. Mm -hmm. Like there's, it's been a, it hasn't been like a straight shot. Like sure. you know, it's been a roller coaster for sure. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely, Holofront's definitely pulled me out of some dark shit, but it's because I'm able to just, you know, say whatever I want on the mm -hmm. page, you know, that's yeah. just, that's really been bothering me. Sure. And I, I mean, it's evolved because at, you know, I'm not as, I'm not the same person I was five years ago, like right. not even close, like, mm -hmm. which is, which is another thing how did it help me grow? Like as a mm -hmm. person, just like gave me a purpose besides mm -hmm. like my kids, like my kids are obviously my main focus always, right. yeah. but the purpose of music, you know, back in my life is like, holy shit. Like, and it, it, it actually was taking off quick, like quicker than I'd ever been in a band before. So it was really it helped, you know, even though there's some times where I was like, eh, I'm kind of not feeling this. But, yeah, I think that Holofront definitely saved me because I didn't have something before, you know, I didn't have that, like, life. I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. Like, I would have kept working at a factory, you know, like, hating my life, waking mm -hmm. up at 5 a.m. every morning and wanting to, you know, throw myself in oncoming traffic, you know, like, <laughs> that kind of thing. But being able to do this, and I've been doing it full-time for you know i don't know if like i've had some part-time jobs but i've been doing it for a time for like two years but right on so yeah i mean it's definitely gave him giving me a purpose and um with the success has definitely like you know it's shown me that like you just got to keep working you know mm -hmm. always always work don't give up you know right that's on. like in that that's the cheesy inspirational oh, poster yeah. on the wall you know don't <laughs> yeah. give up but it's true, man. Like yeah. it's, it's cheesy works on this podcast. Yeah. We're all about it. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. Hollowfront saved me for sure. Hell yeah. Um, I said that was going to be my last question, but then something <laughs> you mentioned kind of sparked another <laughs> totally question. Totally cool, man. But, totally cool. Um, I, what I'm curious to know is like, what do your kids think of all this? I mean, are they like, obviously they're probably your number one fan, but what, did, what did they think about you being in this? Band? Ben, like, it's hard. It's hard, mm -hmm. you know, touring with kids, you know, cause mm -hmm. like, and luckily my ex-wife is the best support system I have, mm -hmm. um, her and she got, she remarried and you know, her and her wife are just like, cause like she married a woman. Mm -hmm. So I get that out there, <laughs> but yeah. So we, we just work so well together. It's like a co-parenting team and they like believe in hollow front, you know, like, That's which great. is amazing. And the kids, like the kids know that their dad's like, you know, I'm not a rock. I don't consider myself a rock star, but they do, they do, you know? Sure. Oh, absolutely. And so, it's cool because like it, it it's getting weird I think for Preston because the older he gets like he had a baseball coach that he was playing baseball last year and the whole the whole season like I, I said hi to the coach and stuff you know but I wasn't like having conversations with him right. but he was a hollow front fan and he didn't <laughs> recognize me until he like watched the video again and like saw me and then I was like holy shit that's Preston's dad you know and I'm, he's the baseball coach so <laughs> Preston went to like a party and like his dad kept asking questions about how, the, dude, the kid's dad kept asking questions about hollow front like yeah. how your dad's in hollow front like oh my gosh and like so that was you know, like I think that that was that's pretty surreal right so I think but he's he's cool with it. he was you know he's probably wears all the merch and hell yeah so, nice. Is, well, do they come to see you play or they've perform? never seen me play yet oh, okay. so I think 
Preston, I think they're coming at the Week Came as Romans, the St. Andrews Hall show. Okay. So um, my mom is like bringing them so that they can, you know, they're just going to stay from us and then leave, you know, but mm-hmm. that, that it's going to be cool that, that that's the first time they get to see us. Like, sure. Yeah. That, like the massive. Yeah. They, they're definitely going to get the, the best vision and everything. That'd yeah, be cool. They yeah. Thank they you. got to skip all the shows where I was playing for five people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they didn't think you were a rock star before, they definitely will after that oh, show, yeah. for sure. It's going to yeah. be insane. So it's going to be emotional for me just because, like, like it is, it, especially because I'll be have gone for, like, six weeks, and I'll get to see him. That'll be the first yeah. time I get. I, I mean, I'll FaceTime, always FaceTime, and always I'm available to talk if they need me, you know. Obviously, yeah. I'm busy, but as long as I'm not playing on the show and are talking to fans, like, I'm I'm available. Yeah. And I mean, just set about It'll just hit different, you know, to kind of yeah. be able to hold them and, you know, yeah, be I'm like, right yeah, there. I might cry, man. Like, <laughs> and then on stage, like, if I look over and see them, I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be a tough one. But, yeah, no, they, they're they cool. I think my younger one still struggles the most. Mm. But we were just in the studio recording the new album for, like, a month in Pennsylvania. So that was a good, like, test. Sure. Uh, and they did really well. Yeah. You know, and like I said, my ex-wife's super supportive and, you know, gets them off to school and all that. My, my family will help on the weekends and stuff so you know i have a good support system for sure yeah that's great Hell yeah not not everybody gets that yeah i'm for like i know people that have kids that will never ever their baby mama will never allow them to any joy yeah <laughs> you know like hey, like <laughs> you fucked up yeah <laughs> yeah nice absolutely well where can people listen to holofront everywhere <laughs> pretty yeah. much like any streaming services spotify apple music you know the Deezer or whatever that one is. I, I don't have that one, but that's that's a thing now. Yep. Um, YouTube, all of our, we have like, I think we have like 10 or 12 music videos now. So okay. how, just type nice. in Holofront and you can find us. We have a bunch of like reaction videos that people did of our stuff. So that, those are always cool. I enjoy watching those. Hell yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can just check us out at Holofront um, on Facebook mm-hmm. and at Holofront Band on Twitter and at Holofront on Instagram. Cool. So, yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So our closer... It's pretty easy. Uh, just like a, it's a one question, but it's an advice question. And being that this take take a few minutes to sort of give yourself some advice, so that when you ha- if you go and listen to this in the future, it may be something that you need to hear or something that you think that will be beneficial for me to have that on recording, so I can listen to it at a later date and just remind myself, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is the mindset that you I mean, need. like ten seconds to think. Oh yeah, take the time. All you need. the time you need. Yeah. People always nail it. I feel like I, I feel like yeah. I tell myself this all the time though. It's just like it's just daily. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just keep keep looking forward, you know, like don't stop looking forward, you know, even if it gets hard because it will and it has and it it does quite often sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So like it's 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 something that and I'm talking to myself now, it's something that you've been wanting to do for your whole life, like bar from like losing your kids because my kids because of it, you know, like that would be the only thing that would ever make me stop, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. So that's definitely, I would just say you, you have nothing in your way except yourself. So Mm. get the fuck out of your own way, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like just, just keep it going because five, 10 years, you, I don't know how front could be huge, you know? And Mm. if I don't give it a fair shot and actually try, I'm never going to know. And I'm going to regret it my whole life. So Mm. take any advice for myself, you know, keep, keep it going. 
Hell yeah. Well, thank you for doing this and best of luck on that We Came as Romans tour and everything. Yeah, thank in the you. Yeah, we we are very, yeah. Yeah, we're so excited. And thanks for having me. This was uh, unexpected and great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Very cool. Hell yeah, man.